So we're just uh, beginning this uh, retreat, this session together. And so to get the change of view. The emphasis here is on strengthening spiritual faculties, half faculties. So it's an inequality. Whereas normally the encouragement, the emphasis in our lives is to change the material, sensorial qualities, to put the air conditioning on or to uh, you know, have a nice meal or have a drink or something. You know. So we change the phenomena around us to give us a better mood. We change the world, if you like, or our immediate local world in order to to change the heart. <laughs> and yeah, to a certain extent that's true in retreat. You have a very pleasant situation, comfortable, it's quiet. It's not highly stimulating. It's an agreeable atmosphere. Agreeable atmosphere, agreeable in- intention, pure intention. It's carried by everyone. And these are intentions that go deeper than just uh, sight, sound, touch, thought. Uh, that's the point of it. So you have to linger in those intentions. The intentions you bring up, the attitudes you bring up of commitment, uh, you know, aspiration, uh, sense of purpose. You know, we want to really change or look to change some places where we're not very strong or we get knocked around or we feel overwhelmed we want to change those places and these are places in their own hearts not whatever the world has done to us somewhere or another that's that's that now we have to really you know strengthen and refresh and firm up and heal uh, because the world in general is not going to be much different. Yeah, it will always be a place of agreeable, disagreeable conflicts because it's fundamentally running on materialist lines, not on spiritual lines. And these are associated with uh, degrees of self-interest, uh, degrees of acquisition, competition, struggle, conflict, uh, negativities of various kinds sometimes extremely you know, strong, you know, violence and so forth, crime and so forth. We live in that. Unfortunately, it doesn't get that good. <laughs> yeah. But then the uh, theme here is, could we strengthen and clarify and our own hearts and minds so that we're no longer so Uh, crushed by it, agitated by it, frightened of it. And the practice of the Dhamma, it says this is possible. Definitely this is possible. Hmm. Because essentially the heart uh, doesn't really see anything or hear anything. What happens is that the, the mind notices sense data and translates it into some sort of 
meaning or perception, felt meaning, oh, that's aggressive, that's fantastic, that's not the way it should be. And it gets that little, condenses it down to some kind of feeling meaning and taps the heart with it. That's not right. You know, the heart. So get this stimulation. So the mind scans the sense fields and sees that could be that way. It didn't taste very good. What's she doing? It picks up, condenses that into not happy. Things are wrong. I don't like this. So then it takes that impression and stabs the heart with it, knocks the heart with it. And the heart picks up that feeling, that negative feeling, irritation. And then it starts to fester in that. And then these impulses of uh, agitation or complaining or self-pity or moaning and blaming other people goes on. And it's possible to no longer be so uh, the mind not to keep scanning. This is what we do with sense restraint. Training ourselves not to put too much attention onto external details, but to really you know, soften our perceptions of that. Not really that important, it's just a place. And really reading our own moods and feelings and heart feelings noticing what's there so we're not really looking to add more data about him and her and this and that I mean we probably will because <laughs> it's a habit but that's not the aim we're aiming is just let it be how it is and I'll look at what's going it's good enough you know no, it's, no precepts are kept here Attention's good, fed, shelter. Okay, that's good enough. Uh, the rest of it, you know, we look into the heart and strengthen that. This is the fundamental theme of spiritual practice, all spiritual practice, whatever religion it's about. It's this fundamental theme. Uh, this is not idealistic, it's just pragmatic, really is pragmatic, because this is the bit you could strengthen and purify and clarify to the point when a crazy world doesn't knock you around and you feel contented in yourself and you're not looking to constantly acquire new things to make you feel good that makes a lot of sense to me <laughs> it's the easy way but it still takes a lot of work to do <laughs> yeah. And certainly this cultivation of goodwill is uh, not just a sentimental sending Christmas cards to people idea, though you could do that. It's really about the baseline is not letting the heart get tainted with guilt, fear, regret, blaming, complaining, anger, yeah, <laughs> and so forth. Not letting the heart get tainted with that, even if think the mind knocks it with impressions that would create that heart. No, I'm not moving down that track. I'm not moving down that track. Because if I go down that track, I'm really going to get into trouble. My mind's going to get agitated, miserable, and I have to feel all that. I have to feel all that negative, miserable energy. And it really is poisonous. I think it definitely, I think it affects one's physical health. These energies are not just moral judgments, they are energies that have 
corrosive qualities or um, nourishing qualities. Let me know. check it out. But, you know. So the quality of goodwill is, is a general term for this experience of just not picking up ill will and in fact being, being able to send out uh, emanations that are healing, comforting, sympathetic, compassionate and so forth and appreciative. And turn the heart, heart that begins to lead the world rather than the world lead the heart. And these, this uh, goodwill is kind of seen in four particular aspects. They're not entirely separate, but they've got slightly different tonalities. Them. The general quality of goodwill, met kindness, is a sense of sympathy with other beings with an intention to, well, you know, like to nourish them, feed them. Rather than they feed me, give me, I'd like to feed them. I'd like to offer them something. And it could be, I'd like them to, um, by practicing non-violence, we're already offering them the gift of freedom from fear. No one need fear me. That's that's a gift. That's an act of good, of kindness. (laughs) So the simple sense of how can I help in any any level. And recognizing that, you know, even more than just food and drink and so forth, the offering of uh, you need not fear me, I will not condemn you, I will not criticize you. That's that's really a very strong and beautiful thing to offer. And you see, when you realize that, you think, actually because it does me no good to complain about other people, does it, really? No, because they're still what they are, and I'm stuck with this. So instead of doing that, <laughs> I could turn the heart around. Now, when the heart meets the problematic or the painful or the unsatisfactory in oneself or in others, that gesture of heart turns to the quality we call compassion, which is the willingness to move towards that which is unpleasant, unsatisfactory, with a kind of, oh, how can I be with that? Rather than, no, no, how can I be with that? Moving towards it. Recognizing, you know, that the experience of, of pain and misery and violence and so forth is a corrupting poison, then we we don't want to add more to it. We, oh, that's, you know, he's a really angry person. Oh dear, that must be difficult. Hmm. Doesn't mean I want to go and live with him, but but instead of condemning, we feel a sense of sorrow and regret that this person is stuck with an angry, manipulative, manipulative mindset. And, of course, we, then we can do it to ourselves. When we experience, uh, you know, fatigue, fed up, can't get this thing going, disappointed, not really feeling those, getting those bright, wonderful experiences I'm supposed to have on retreats and not having them, fed up, miserable, unpathetic. Oh, well, let's, let's just 
Let's just turn towards that with a mind of, of goodwill. This is compassion. So notice in your day when you think things aren't the way they should be. Yeah. Because it probably means you don't you don't feel the way you want to feel. <laughs> I like to feel bright, clear, clean, happy, zestful, inspired, getting good, really good samadhi, that's what I want. And I'm not I'm feeling woozy, painful knees, slightly confused what's going on. Oh, it shouldn't be this way, it shouldn't be this way, it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this way really means I don't want to feel this. But you are feeling it. Yeah, but I don't want to feel yeah, but you are feeling it. But I shouldn't feel it. Yes, but you are feeling it. But I it shouldn't be this way, but it is this way. It takes a lot of while sometimes before you get the point. <laughs> Saying you shouldn't feel what you're feeling is kind of daft, really. So we turn towards that, that oh, I shouldn't feel this way, I shouldn't feel this. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. So you're learning to do your own healing. I shouldn't be the way I am. Oh, that's a really interesting thought to have, isn't it? I shouldn't be the way I am. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? <laughs> so you take it a little bit of time. Which particular piece of yourself do you dislike the most? <laughs> oh, that one. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's tough. Okay, let's just hold that carefully and not go into that down that pathway of I'm not as good as I should be just don't, just don't go there and then what will happen is the angels of the heart will rise up with a sense of blessing and soothing and comfort and compassion Mudita is the quality of um, that which appreciates is grateful appreciative like uh, either appreciated appreciates the goodness that other people do Cooks work really hard. My goodness, I really so so respect their efforts. You know, really, really, they really do a very good job. Sense of mudita. They're, they're they're strong. They're good. They're putting forth effort. They're, they're going to get good results. We feel happy for them. We feel appreciative of their generosity and offering. We appreciate, um, you know place like this, see the amount of micro efforts, major efforts have gone into creating a situation which is uh, rather rather heavenly actually, celestial a lot of work's gone into that a lot of thinking a lot of trying to figure out what would be good a lot of effort, probably a lot of struggle probably a lot of difficulty, probably a lot of complaining <laughs> well, now we're receiving it I didn't have to do anything on receiving it. Oh, oh. oh, great, thank you. You know, do we just take it for granted, or do we do we notice the good, the good that others have done, and the good that we've done just by keeping five precepts? The terrible things I could have done if I didn't, I have not done. <laughs> the horrible things that people could do to me, they haven't done. So we can even appreciate that. <laughs> so you get quite tuned into picking up those those signs where you, possibly you can 
instead of thinking, what am I supposed to do? You know, actually, don't do that. Just not what you do, but look around, pick up the signs where you can get that those qualities, those perceptions, reflections, meanings that will engender something rather rich and warm and strengthens the heart. And the bottom line, actually, the, almost the most fundamental one is called equanimity, which means, let's just stay with this, it's going to change. It's going up, let's stay with this, it'll probably change. It's going down, let's just stay with this, it's probably going to change. Here's the sense of uncertainty, let's just stay with this, it's probably going to change. <laughs> no, let's not go into the scramble and panic and the I've got it right, fantastic, this is it, and then oh no, 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 I've lost it altogether. Let's not just go through those loops. Just be open, receptive to changes, receptive to the feeling, sensing them, and not letting your mind, your heart get tipped one way or another by it. Of course, it's a pretty big practice. But it's strengthening. And uh, often what it takes is to almost resolve or be in a situation where you can't follow the other ways. You can't follow the, I'm getting out of here. You can't follow the, I'm going to tell her what to do. You can't, so in fact, when you check those reflexes of blaming or aggression or blaming yourself, you check those, then these qualities will arise. Yeah. And you begin to recognize just the futility of blaming, criticizing, because what's actually happening? You have an impression of someone in your heart. You have an impression of yourself in your heart. You have an impression of what things should be in your heart. You have an impression of dissonance in your heart. And so when you do blaming, what happens is you get the impression of dissonance and you throw it into this impression of the other person. Right? That so-and-so who did that to me. Blam. Blam. But that so-and-so who did that to me, he might be dead by now. He's living in your heart, isn't he? Right? Right now is in your heart. So all you do is you just move this negative energy around in your heart. And it doesn't doesn't actually eliminate it. Just, just shuffle it around in your heart. Or you can do it to yourself. I should have been this way. I made a big mistake. How did I do something so stupid? Who are you talking about? Where is she? It's an impression in your heart, isn't it? That you're talking about. It's a memory. So you throw this blaming it dart towards this thing, and it's still in your heart. You haven't actually released it. And no matter how many darts you throw in it, it doesn't move, because you haven't let it out of your heart. It's still in there. Right? How does it get released from your heart? How does it get out, released, through these qualities of goodwill? of compassion, of non-violence, of non-resistance, of non-blaming. These uh, other energies can arise, which have a purifying, releasing quality to them. It may sound, you know, remote, but (laughs) it's practiced. In uh, 
And so, you know, in, in monastic communities, uh, naturally, a uh, People with um, aspirations, and certainly everyone has their has their own shortcomings, and you're stuck together in a group where you more or less have to be with each other repeatedly for every day for a good amount of days, weeks, months, years, and this person's habits really get on your nerves <laughs> and why he doesn't turn up for this he doesn't do the, the work that he should do and he's sloppy yeah. and that's the thing you notice you, notice, you always think there's little bits that annoy you because those, that's, those are the things that stick in strongest so you, you don't notice the fact that he's keeping moral precepts you notice the fact that he's sloppy or doesn't do enough work or whatever. You notice that and it just gets on you. Gets on you. And you know somebody else is doing this. And then they have some event which you didn't really want. You want it nice and peaceful and quiet. And suddenly there's some big event when 150 people turn up to make offerings and want some kind of commemorative experience, memorial experience. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you, you're in a no-control situation, no-option, no-control situation. And this is a great place for practice, because you can no longer shuffle the world around. It's not violent, it's not uh, saturated with hatred, but it's still no, not my way, no, and it's no option. You're in it, and you're not, you're not in control of it. This generally does a number on you, whereby it exposes the places where you get grumpy and irritable and critical and self-pitying and it's not fair and it's not right and it shouldn't be like this and how dare they and I want it to be this and I can't practice here. I can't practice here. So that's always rouses a good laugh when you say, I can't practice here. <laughs> so, what are you practicing? <laughs> You're not practicing. Mindfulness, strength, heart qualities. So you're still getting affected by what people do and say. And practice is about holding your own heart steady, no matter what people do and say. <laughs> that is practice. Yeah. So I remember a, a monk who was visiting... He came. He was visiting from a Thai monastery. This monastery was very close to the one of the major airports. And the the, the teacher there, the Ajahn there, was a renowned master of med, of meditation of samadhi. He could go into all these deep levels of absorption. It didn't bother him as airplanes flying overhead. He just didn't, you know. But if you haven't got that degree of absorption. You know, it's happening. Noise. And being in Thailand, then most of the monasteries, these stray dogs come in. Lots of stray dogs, and there's generally scraps of food around in monasteries. So the stray dogs come into the monasteries, and they ramble around, they yap all the time, and they howl. So they fight with each other. So you see, and they think, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
airplanes, stray dogs, yapping, I can't, I can't, I can't practice here. And then there was a building project going on at the same time. So there's the sounds of pneumatic drills and angle grinders and people hollering and bashing things. And then, but that would quiet, when the funds ran out, the building project would would die down. You think, well, that's nice. And then a tour bus would arrive with 150 devotees. (laughs) And he said, eventually, it was really great because I realised if I let my mind move one inch into that, I would be in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Into complaining, negativity. I just had to keep it totally steady and just sound, sound, stuff happening. Here I am. Stuff's happening, sound. Nothing's the way it should be. There's no such thing as the way it should be. It's the way it is. Stay in that. Don't let the mind get capsized with negativity and ill will. That's your practice for now. That's your practice. And you'll get, you'll certainly develop some mindfulness and meditative absorption just by doing that. Because you have to hold, you have to be very right on what what the heart is doing and catch it and hold it still. Not suppress it, but just hold it, comforting, steadying, soothing, but don't go into ill will. Stay here. Because it's going to poison you. Another poignant example was one of our nuns. She was from Cambodia. Cambodian nun. So she'd been married uh, in, in Cambodia and she had a uh, you know, husband and family and then this uh, Cambodian Civil War Khmer Rouge thing blew up so people were getting shot and so forth so the uh, said so you, you, know, you better get out of the country the husband got all the arrangements to get them out of the country and he said well, you go ahead I've just got to do some pick up some other stuff you know or do some other business and I'll be on the next flight that was the last she saw of him so obviously he'd been killed in this uh, this massive uh, civil war and genocide. So she was just stuck in America with I think, two or three kids trying to get it together, you know. So she did, survived, kept it going, kept it going, and so on. And, but all the time she had this sense of real hatred for the people who killed her husband and ruined her life. And so, being a practitioner, eventually when the things calmed down or quieted down somewhat into Cambodia, they had a, you know, these reconciliation uh, meetings and people from the warring factions would meet together and uh, try to find some resolution. And she... She went to one of these meetings and she said to these people, Look, uh, I'd like you to forgive me because I've hated you so much for the last decade or so. This sense of hatred for you has been so strong. So please ask for your forgiveness for all these terrible thoughts I've had about you. (laughs) So that, you know, you put that into that situation 
people just start crying and you know rather than you so you just I have felt this for you I want to stop it ask for your forgiveness so that was her gesture that just finally released it from her heart these are not small gestures are they You understand, and you have to make the choice. It's true. True, he was abusive, violent to you, that's true. There's no doubt about that. Why, you don't know. What he was experiencing, you don't know. But you know what's happened here. I don't want this anymore. So much, so much, I don't want it so deeply. I really don't want this pain, this negativity, this hatred in my heart so much that I'll do anything to just release it. So then I, so I'll even look at you with a mind of compassion because you have to live with the results of your actions. I have to live with results of mine. And it's better that you abuse me. It's better than if I abused you. Because if I abused you, I've got to live with that. And that's even worse. So I can do the giving because I'm actually in a better state than you are. This is the spiritual logic. It turns it around the other way. Yeah. Remember this uh, Tibetan monk, Haldun Gyatso, who was just a monk <laughs> living in Tibet, and he had a teacher. So when the uh, Chinese Communist invasion took over, they started uh, destroying places, and they took his monk's teacher. And said he's a CIA agent, so he took him away. The monk never saw his teacher again. And said to this monk, You have to confess that your teacher's a CIA agent. The monk said, No, but he's not. So you but you have to confess that he's a CIA agent. But he isn't, so how can I say that? Because it's not it's not actual. So they beat him up. They said, You've got to confess to this treacherous spy you've been your teacher mm-hmm. but that's not actually how it is so I can't say something that isn't the way it is can I so they beat him up some more and then threw him in jail well jail is a polite word for it it's an internment into one of these uh, me- very meagre survival rations no heat you know crude uh, screamed at beaten and so forth uh, so he's in this because he just wouldn't say that he wouldn't tell a lie he said, I might tell a lie that's such I have to live a result of that it's bad karma I can't do that and it's not true so they beat him up some more 
So he was in this situation. Eventually he found a way to escape. He managed to find a way to escape out of this internment. And he got out. And, he, you know, and they caught him. So they beat him up even more. Threw him another jail. Or internment centre. Where they're regularly, everyone's regularly beaten and uh, screamed at and uh, violated in various ways with uh, you know, electric electric shock and they take these cattle prods, electric cattle prods and put it in people's mouths so their teeth blew their teeth out put them up their backside electric shock and so this went on and then you're eating just anything, just rubbish or if you get anything at all and so it's just living in this watching his friends get beaten, sometimes dying. And he just kept his mantra going. Kept shrinking. 30 years. And after 30 years, he was then 60-something, five years old or so. And he said, look, you know, I'm just... You've beaten me up for 30 years or so. You can keep doing it if you like. <laughs> Why don't you just let me out? I'm useless. <laughs> I can't do anything. Yeah, broken down old man. So they let him out. You know, I get out. You know, and he managed to take some of these torture instruments with him. He smuggled. He made his way out of Tibet, and he had all these things they were using as evidence to demonstrate. You know, the things that have been being done in these places. The first thing he did, he went to see the, the Dalai Lama, who's in Dharamshala, North India, paid his respects and said, Oh, you're holding us. And he says, oh, It's been difficult times. But the only thing I'm really concerned about is whether, you know, for, for any moment in that, I might not, I might have lost my sense of compassion for my guards, because that would be really bad karma for me. And so that, you know, he survived through just holding the heart steady, not allowing depression, despair, hopelessness, fatality, uh, anger, violence to take over. It wasn't like he didn't try to escape, certainly he wasn't just, but he had done and he hadn't been able to do it, so he was in this deadlock situation, the only thing he could do was this to keep himself sane and from going crazy with with uh, with being overwhelmed and he survived he came out the other end of it and, you know <laughs> so this is not just nice ideas is it uh, it's it's about survival of the heart what can survive you know through this human thing whereby we do get afflicted with disease. You know, other people may be unpleasant, cheat, lie to us, but also we will get afflicted with disease. Oh, you should know. No, I don't see why I feel bad. I don't feel very good today. I don't feel... <laughs> Just, well... This is the human destiny. We get sick. Anybody not been sick? Does anybody like it? 
everybody gets sick, nobody likes it. But rather than going to this, oh no, okay, practice with it. It feels like this. Can't sit up very well. Mind's not foggy, mind's foggy, not clear. Hold the heart steady. Don't let it go under. So this remains almost like a, a micro-teaching in its own right. Just hold the heart steady. Don't go under. Don't involve yourself with these negative effects that we are all vulnerable to. We're living in a world of disease, of sickness, of deceit, degrees of violence, hostility. How are you going to not go under in that? You know, is there a wall big enough to keep out viruses? <laughs> you know, you build a 10 foot wall, there's an 11 foot ladder. You build a 12 foot wall, there's a, t- a 13 foot ladder. <laughs> How are you going to keep it out? <laughs> if you can keep the people out, can you keep, you know, the, the heat or the cold out? Can you keep the sickness out? Can you keep the viruses out? You eventually, you know, do the best you can, obviously, but eventually something gets us. That's, that's the way it is as human beings. But also, the way it is as human beings, if we have this capacity that we perhaps don't really know and we don't value, we don't see or really know the strength of it, to remain intact and steady and serene and strong in the face of these things. This is what we are beginning to cultivate. It's like a muscle. If you work at it, it will get strong, but you have to keep working at it. And beware and look out for those tendencies which definitely are available. It shouldn't feel like this. I shouldn't feel like this. I don't want this to happen. <laughs> look out for those. Every time you notice one of those, it won't take long, I'm sure. <laughs> Just, uh-huh. This is there to teach you. This is there. Now notice that. Now, you want to follow that? You want to follow that? I wouldn't advise it. How do you not follow it? Just notice this is pulling. This is something that's pulling my energy, my heart energy, down a negative track into spirals. Now, that's an energy I can hold back. Pull it back, say. Sustaining it. Here we're beginning to develop these counterweights. Counterweights. So you've got counterweight of the, the triple gem, Buddha Dhamma Sangha. You've got the counterweight of cultivating goodwill and loving kindness. You've got the counterweight of, of staying steady in your body and breathing in and out. You've got the counterweight of reflecting on virtue and precepts and acknowledging them. You've got something that gives you a bright tonality and holds your heart steady. That's what you do. You hold that. Don't go into the negative. Keep turning towards where you've got some sense of a positive that can support. So the mind isn't tilted over. And this is essentially, you know, in simple terms, the, you know, the sheer chemistry of how we, you know, find a refuge. If you get invited to take refuge, the words are there. You've got to pick up those crumbs of words and ideas and build. 
a strength out of it. And this is definitely possible. Whatever you linger on, whatever you give your attention to, whatever you repeatedly return to, bites that will strengthen. That's the nature of it. So if you repeated return to the negative and the offended and the complaining, that will strengthen, that's for sure. You repeated return when it's about yourself, complaining about yourself, complaining about what a so-and-so you are or aren't or aren't or can't do or can do and so forth. You keep staying with that, you're going to go straight into misery big time, I promise. <laughs> now you could also reflect on if I didn't kill anything today. <laughs> So what? Well, take it again. You know, how many people can say that in the world? <laughs> take it again. If everybody did that for one day in the world, if everybody just even didn't kill other human beings for one day in the world, what do you think that would be like? Would that be a massive revolution or not? Right? And now you haven't killed anybody, have you? Count the heads, no? And probably haven't killed any animals, sex. So, you know, you've cultivated something rather precious. Linger on the quality of not just obedience, but a, a love of harmlessness, because it's such a beautiful medicine for the egotistic, domineering, callous confusion of human beings. Linger on the quality of uh, harmlessness, of kindness, of dedication, linger on those. And you linger on them, mindful of them, they will amplify and give you strength. And this is the simple arithmetic or chemistry of, of this practice. We have the occasion to turn the focus to that, to that place in the heart and make good use of our time for our long-lasting welfare. Because once you've begun to sense that strength and the strengthening effect, and you know that how that happens, and you know you can do this, certainly here, you could probably have a good attempt to do it when you're getting on the bus, when you're in a traffic jam and about to blow up. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're not going to blow up. Do you see? Okay, well, nobody's killing me. <laughs> And uh, it's like this now. Hold it. Yeah. So, you know, you, in this situation, we are reminding ourselves and kindling and encouraging qualities that will sustain us and can be practiced when we return to our lives. You can't use this outside this retreat. It's not really much good. It'd be a nice little holiday, but nothing much more than that. What you do in this situation has to be something you can eventually walk down the street with. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> it's a break, but you, want, you, you deserve something more than that. <laughs> you can have a transformation. Yeah. And I think in, in, you know, you might think, well, five days. Five days you can certainly get some senses of where you can turn things around. And then it's up for you to continue practicing it. And don't and realize every situation brings you an opportunity to do that. <laughs>